Hello and welcome to the Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rhodes. On today's episode, bringing theology back to a place of prominence in the charismatic church, the power of imagination, and is it okay to publicly address, question, or correct another person's theology? S.J. Newell, also known as the Objective Believer, is a man on an incredible journey. As he would discover new things in scripture and share it with other believers, he was often met with a slew of objections, claiming that he was excited, what he was excited about sounded like heresy, word of faith teaching, or they had attached the name of a famous charismatic or Pentecostal preacher. In his words, these interactions were weird and depressing, but they led him to begin to examine the claims both for and against what he had come to believe about scripture, separating emotion from the analysis. The Objective Believer is an amazing resource for charismatic, word of faith, and grace message apologetics. I, I'm i excited to bring this one to you. I know I've had a little bit of a hiatus uh, spending time with my family, took a little vacation, spent some time really seeking God on some things uh, as a family, and God is so good. Um, maybe you guys will hear about those things in the days ahead, uh, but I'm refreshed and I'm ready to dive in. Uh, this conversation was was awesome. Uh, SJ and I are new friends, but I've been following his content, The Objective Believer, on Facebook for over a year, and I'd never seen somebody really address from the charismatic word of faith, Pentecostal, basically any any belief system that includes the gifts of the Spirit, um, any traditional belief system that also like includes the gifts of the Spirit, believes the Holy Spirit is active and moving through everyday people today. Um, I'd never seen anybody from that stream or section of the church actually defend uh, or refute attacks. And uh, it's something that's somewhat unique to charismatics is like, is this idea that we don't refute or rebut the the attacks. And so oftentimes there you've seen them, the, these videos that'll be like reformed uh, or, or different groups that are attacking, they'll, they'll play, uh, insert a famous charismatic teacher or preacher, uh, they'll play a, a brief clip of what they're saying, and then they'll talk about how it's heresy and it's dangerous and all this stuff. And uh, I started seeing SJ post these videos where he would post what the and he would go through the whole clip and go through what they were teaching and then he'd go to scripture and he'd go and he'd start to point out assumptions um claims that uh you know were false um or not unsupported and he just did, did it so methodically and, and in such an objective way it was, it was truly incredible and so I'm a big fan. I know um, hearing terms like apologetics, there's some of you that you immediately are like, oh yeah, I'm not gonna listen to this one. I'm telling you, this is this. every believer needs to hear this. And I believe God is trying to reconnect the the uh, the church, the spirit-filled church that allows the the moving of the gifts and, and the Holy Spirit. And, and that's a central part, encounters and uh, dreams and visions and all that is a central prophecy, is a central part of the church. Um, he wants to get us back to the word as well, and so that we're balanced. And uh, and I believe people like SJ are a part of that. So you're going to love this episode. Please like, share, 
follow, do all the things, share it with your friends, help us grow this podcast, leave a review. And if, if this podcast has impacted you and you want to support what we're doing and help us grow what we're doing, you can go to firemovement.com slash support. There you can give a one-time or monthly gift that will help us grow what we're doing. And I'm telling you, I've got, I've got big plans for this, uh, but there's some things we can't do until we can grow it. Uh, we can't really grow it until we have a little bit more support. So if that's you, if, if you believe in what we're doing, you want to support, you can do that firemovement.com slash support. So let's jump into our conversation after a quick sponsor segment. Religion loves Jesus the teacher, is even okay with Jesus the prophet. Religion is not okay with Jesus the breaker of bondage, the transformer of hearts, the savior of nations. Because the real Jesus is the anointed one. He doesn't just have good teachings. He is the, the breaker of bondage. He will transform you. You got to go after knowing him more. He's worth it. He's worth, he's worth your time. He's worth your life. And there's, there's nothing, this, this city, this nation, the nations of the world are not going to be transformed by a satisfied people. They're going to be transformed by lovesick warriors. Because if he's for us, who can be against us? If the king of the universe and all of his goodness, all of his backing, if all of heaven is for you, is standing behind you, supporting you, how, how could anything succeed against you? How could you fail? We could, we could change the world. That's not just a fun phrase. If you'll give your life to this thing, to the real thing, if you'll find the real Jesus, the one who burns with eyes of fire, if you'll get a real hunger in your belly and you don't let anything else stop you, and if you'll, if you'll align yourself with who you are as a son or daughter of God, there is nothing that can stop you. This is the Fire Podcast. Well, I'm here with S.J. Newell, otherwise known as The Objective Believer. Uh, thank you so much for being on today. Thanks. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm excited about this one. You guys have heard a little bit of an introduction of, of who he is and, and what he does. Um, but S.J., I, I was telling you this before uh, we started recording, but I found you probably about a year ago um, on, on Facebook, um, that's about one of the only things I use Facebook for is just saving videos and, and watching them when I have time, um, more than, more than even YouTube. And, uh, and I had, I came across one of your videos. I, I try to remember what it even was. It was something, I think it was probably a wretched video or something like that, that you were refuting. Um, cause I also save, I also save those and, and just, you know, try to stay, uh, adept to, what the arguments are, because uh, you come across them. I don't as much. I'm in Seattle, so I don't come across them as much here. But I did a lot when I was in the Midwest. Um, those sorts of arguments, and so I'd always listen and and try to think through. Okay, how would I respond to this and that sort of thing? And um, I think you're one of the first people I've ever uh, one of the first true uh, apologists I've seen in the realm of uh, charismatic or Pentecostalism. Um, even though I, I don't think you quite, uh, I don't know that you would put yourself in those boxes. Would you, or what, what would you say you, you are, or, um, where do you fall? Yeah, honestly, um, for the most part, I have not really thought too much about titles up until I started doing this. And, uh, and then people kind of started calling me that <laughs> charismatic yeah. apologist. So I was like, okay, yeah, let's go with that. So I don't, I don't mind being called that. Um, 
Generally speaking, I try to stay away from labels because I find that they're too constraining and you end up kind of and making a lot of straw men and things like that when you when you go that route. So I'm more of a type of guy where it's like, let's just talk about each individual issue uh, on its own and see if it can stand on its own merit. And, and so, yeah, the whole Pentecostal, charismatic, word of faith, those are all terms that um, I've only recently associated myself with because of what people have said about the content that they see. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And and our, our listeners um, are going to be uh, a, a wide range. So we've got we've got people um, not only of different types of Christianity or, or denominations or b- belief systems. I mean, uh, probably more so on the charismatic end, open to the the, the gifts and things like that. Um, but also we're going to have people that have been to seminary that are, are leaders of churches or movements or different things like that that listen um, to the person that's a new believer that doesn't really know what a lot of these terms mean. So, uh, throughout, if you, if you use a term, I'll probably, uh, ask you to define it, um, or, or explain it. So like he just said straw man. So, uh, you know, to, to explain that term a little bit, that's where you, you can basically create an image of, of what your opposition is and tear it down. Um, and a lot of times it's not actually accurate. So we create, create something that's easy to knock over and we do it in an argument. Um, but it didn't actually accomplish anything, but it sounds good. Um, right. You might have a better definition than I. Yeah, than just I would. a misrepresentation is basically what I would say about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for, about this. And, and part of the reason I'm really excited to talk to you is I, I really believe um, I've, I've had the opportunity to see a lot of the body and, and what God's doing and um, across the U.S., specifically in, in some in Central and South America. And, and I'm excited for what God's doing. But I think I think we're seeing a um, a moving of the Holy Spirit that's incredible. But uh, with the moving of the Holy Spirit, you have to have word. And so uh, you have to you have to be based in Scripture and uh, and not in a way that limits what God can do. Um, but in a way that grounds us, it creates, uh, I had a, a leader once say it's, it's like uh, guardrails on a bridge. Um, it's not, that's, it's not a limitation. It's a, it's a protection. Cause if you have right. guardrails on a bridge over a, a ravine, you can dance across that bridge and not be afraid of, of falling off because you've got guardrails. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's a really great way of putting it. So let's, let's get into your, uh, your background a little bit. And then I would like to really dig into, to that piece of, of, I believe the, the body, especially those filled with the Holy spirit that are, are, are part of that, that movement. I think everyone's going to get swept into it, but we need, we need the word. And I think, uh, I think we're going to see more and more theologians rise up for this time. And I think you're, uh, an early, uh, example of that, of what we're going to see over the next 10, 20, 30 years. Um, but what, what's a little bit of your background? Like where, how did you meet Jesus? Uh, as much of your story as you want to dig into and then, then into how you got into this. Okay. Well, um, I, I don't remember how old I was. I was young though. I got to say five or six, uh, when I, when I got saved. And it's funny because some people say when you're that young, you don't really know what you're doing. But I still distinctly remember sitting on the side of my mom's bed and she just asked me, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? Which that term nowadays being like, you know, you're not asking Jesus, you know, he does whatever he wants type. But anyway, that's another (laughs) discussion. So, but at the time I'm like, yeah, I do, you know, and and I remember saying that 
and she led me in a prayer. And I remember uh, that instant having this experience on the inside. Mm -hmm. It was like this, um, like electricity or glow. Like I still remember that even as young as I was. And so, um, yeah, I got saved at a young age and it kind of just floundered for a while. I think part of that was because the church we were going to um, didn't really have anything for kids that age. And so that happened all the way up until my teen years. And then we started going to this different church with a youth group. And um, I just really fell in love with Jesus there. And um, I, I, I would say the foundation for everything that I'm doing now kind of uh, came out of that. And um, as far as why I'm doing this and how I ended up doing it, you know, the, the way that I explain it is back then, uh, you know, when you're when you're new, when you're a new believer, you just have this hunger for the word. And so I was getting into the word. and I found some teachers I really like to listen to and finding these really clear uh, truths in God's word. And but what I was finding, though, is that when I would try to share them with other Christians, uh, they were immediately just like what we we're saying with the with the labels. They were immediately uh, relegated to a label. They'd be like, oh, that's name it and claim it heresy or that's word of faith stuff. And that sounds like something that Kenneth Copeland would say. And uh, that just started happening so often. And it was so grieving for me. I remember actually having these conversations. And there was a couple of times where I would I would begin to weep, like cry during these conversations I was having with these people, because there was so much resistance to something that I saw as so clear in God's word. And um, I believe that God had called me to be a teacher of God's word. And but I never, I had a group back in, and I was raised in Prescott Valley, Arizona. I had a, a little Bible study group that never really grew beyond two or three people. And sometimes the third person would be sleeping <laughs> while I was, t <laughs> while we were doing the Bible study. So it was, uh, and the reason it, it never really grew, what I began to see is because of those associations and uh, what I came to find out about, um, there's this term known as logical fallacies, and that that's, just errors in thinking um, that were going on. And, and I, so I started seeing all of this and I was just like, you know, maybe I need to start like combating this stuff. And um, so, yeah, that and that just kind of happened all the way up until um, like five years ago where I finally was like, I'm going to start putting this stuff into videos and uh, ho hopefully it helps somebody, you know, if not, then, you know, I'll find something else to do. But uh, it turned out that, like you were saying, like pretty much nobody's doing this. Um, Rod Saunders, Jew and Greek, he's he's the only other guy really that I know of. And um, so, yeah, and things just kind of took off from there. And it turns out a lot of people were looking for this time, kind of information. There were a lot of people who they weren't sure. They were kind of on the fence. They were hearing, um, you know, stuff coming from these critics. And then they were hearing stuff coming from their pastors. And they weren't really sure which direction to go. And so I get a lot of people reaching out to me being like, man, this is exactly what I needed to hear. This kind of clarified this topic for me. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it turns out that it, it was something that was needed and, you know, we'll just see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And another one I've recommended on here before, I don't know if you're familiar with Theos U and the Finocchio, Nathan Finocchio and Gabriel Finocchio. Have you seen them at all? No, I don't think so. I'll have to check should, them out. Yeah, you should look in. They both have a seminary, but they also have a almost a Netflix style uh, theology um, where uh, theological. It's an app and online platform and stuff. 
um, but they do a really great job, uh, very similar to, to what you do, but they, they address different things. They address, uh, you know, current social topics and things like that. But they even, uh, I've, they, they are charismatic and even speak at Bethel um, and at Bethel's stuff, but they even uh, did a video kind of addressing some of Bill Johnson's theology and some things. And then, uh, it's just, it's been really cool. Cause I, I think it's something that we haven't, haven't seen, or we've seen that if, if you're correcting something, it's, it's gotta be vicious and it's right. gotta be, we're done with that person. Right. Um, and so they've, they've made a conversation, uh, which is really cool. So that's yeah. why I, I'm so encouraged seeing you seeing things like that. It's happening. Uh, yeah. it's really beautiful. Yeah, for sure. That that's a, that's a great point, and that's something that I was hoping to bring in my content is um, because some people I've gotten pushback from charismatics, and they'll be like, "You shouldn't be talking about anything. Like, you should just be going out and preaching the gospel." And I can respect that, and that's kind of been the the uh, standard response to criticism is like, "Oh, just ignore it and just go and preach the gospel." and and um, but, you know, the Bible does teach that we should be able to admonish one another and correct one another. And so where is that example? Mm-hmm. And so that's been my question. Where do we have that example? And like you said, a lot of the correction is completely vicious. Uh, you're a heretic. You're not saved if you believe this or if you teach that. Um, and there's no it's like there's very few people, uh, you know, I would almost say a voice of reason. And I don't want to put myself in that category, so I won't. But there's very few people that would you would see as a as a voice of reason that's like, hey, why don't we have like a discussion like friends and family would, you know, where we can talk these things over and say, hey, here's my concern. I heard you say something. I'm not sure if I'm interpreting it correctly. Can you explain it? Um, you know, and and that's why a lot of my videos, if you, you said you've seen some, a lot of them, I don't really have conclusions because it's like, mm. I don't have that person here to talk to. So I don't know for sure, but we're just going to take the information they gave us. We're going to do the best job we can, but we're going to leave the door open for further information. You know, maybe these people will reach out at some point and clarify. Great. I can put out a new video and be like, hey, here's an update to that video. This person reached out to us. Um, well, and, you know. and you typically reach out to them as well. You always mention right. that I reached out. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's like 99% of the time they never respond. I don't really know what they're waiting for. I don't know if they feel like I'm just like a cockroach and they, I'm not worth responding <laughs> to. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm trying to get clarity um, because language is difficult. And that's something that I'm realizing more and more all the time. Communicating with one another is difficult. Like I have a hard time sometimes communicating with my wife. You know, if if anybody who's married knows that there's communication issues, even with the person you live with. So think of people who are on the opposite sides uh, of, of, of a theological issue, how easy it would be to misunderstand one another and talk past one another. There's so much lingo and so many things that we don't define so many terms that parameters that we're not defining when we go into these discussions and so it's like, let's just slow down, you know, take a deep breath, do what the Bible says, you know, love is ever willing to believe the best of every person, you know, and, and uh, just kind of go from there and work through these issues. Yeah. And, and I mean, uh, if politics tells us anything, you know, like uh, about how, how much language matters and how much you can create a straw man ultimately Absolutely. of the other person and not be able to hear him because of your pre- presuppositions, about that or pre-assumptions about that person 
uh, how much more? There's what two, maybe three main parties in political in the political right. realm. There's what thirty five thousand denominations or something crazy, different sections of of Christianity. So exactly, uh, it's just really easy to get in your head uh, to build up a straw man to build up this image of this person and already discount what they're saying before they say it. Yeah. And there really are too many parallels between dirty politics and stuff you see going on in the church. Um, that's what I noticed kind of early on is like, wow, like I can watch like a debate, like a presidential debate or whatever. And it sounds a lot like the stuff that Christians are doing to each other. And that shouldn't be like that, you know? Like, we should be the ones setting this example to be like, you know what, guys, we're going to stop. We're going to listen to each other. We're going to ask clarifying questions, which is so important. Like, I don't understand what you mean. Can you explain it further? Instead of going after just these sound bites and like, oh, this guy said, you know, X, Y, and Z, and it just sounds bad. So what he's talking about is, and then just assigning this negative value to what they're talking about. It's just, it's so bad. You know, we need so much work on that. And I include myself in it. I know that there's so much more that I could be doing to address that type of bias in myself. But, uh, you know, you got to start somewhere. And we got to start addressing this stuff for sure. Yeah. I, I think, too, um, I've had the, the privilege of being behind the scenes and with some, some more well-known people and, and some of these issues. And I think, I think part of it is we keep our, in, at least in the charismatic world, I, I won't speak to other, other sections of Christianity, but we keep our, uh, our disputes really hidden. And, uh, and, and so sure. one of them was, uh, I won't, cause it's not my thing to share, <laughs> even though I just said we keep them hidden. Uh, <laughs> one of them was somebody wrote a book and, a well-known uh, theologian within uh, charismatic theologian who was a friend of the person who wrote the book started openly speaking against them without having a conversation against them or with them. And, um, and another friend, a friend of mine got involved and started creating a dialogue between them. And they actually were able to come uh, to talk through it. And the person who wrote the book was like, well, help me help me develop the language that this would read better because now you understand yeah. my heart and that's ultimately what it was it wasn't yeah. ultimately it wasn't a theological issue it was a a matter of language and they read it differently than the person intended and i think that's it's almost always semantics that's what it typically yeah. comes down to is semantics absolutely. like a yeah. lot of times we believe the same thing but we just say it differently yeah absolutely um that that that's huge like i remember there was a um an interview that Remnant Radio, I don't know if you've heard of them, uh, did with uh, Todd White. And I can't remember what Todd White had said. It was something about, oh, what's that? Uh, what's the idea of Jesus laying aside his... his um... Kenosis? Yeah, yeah, that, that whole debate. And I don't want to get too much into that. But <laughs> in, that, in that discussion, uh, Todd White was like, well, help me. Just like what you were saying, he said, help me say it the right way because I don't want to say it the wrong way and um you know that isn't happening enough like where it's just like yeah let, let's learn because every group has like their own lingo and some it's everybody seems to kind of slightly misquote the bible like there's people that say God decrees the end from the beginning everybody thinks that's a bible verse it's not it says God <laughs> declares the end from the beginning 
Um, you know, or there's another one that says uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, but that's not what it says either. It says we desire to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. And so mm-hmm. not like if there's, there's a huge difference there, but like everybody has these different ways of saying things. And um, you're right, man. I think it's, I think it's like 70, 80% semantics where if we would just take time to really talk to each other and have these conversations. But, you know, that's not what people are into. I mean, like, if you got a video that says so-and-so destroys, you know, Bill Johnson <laughs> or this guy destroys Todd White, it's like that thing will get, like, thousands of views. Like, that's what people are out there looking for. And, and mm-hmm. I think that speaks to uh, the the place of maturity that we are in the body of Christ. Like that's where we're at. Like we rather the drama than the, you know, resolution and, and getting, um, you know, closure to these, to these um, conversations. Yeah. Well, and, and we kind of see that too, even in the downfall of different leaders and things like that, there's like this strange excitement that happens. And it's, I think it is, it's the influence of, of political, whether it's a, a political demon or, you know, whatever our culture, whatever. Um, it's, it's this weird political thing we have. And it, I think too, like, cause I like Todd, for example, I know Todd personally. Todd is one of the most humble, uh, amazing people I, I know. Um, has his flaws. He has, there's things that he, he believes or does that are different than what I would believe or do. But, um, I love, I love the guy. So humble. I believe if anybody approached him humbly and was like, I don't, I don't agree with this, that his response would be exactly what happened in that podcast or that recording. Right. Whereas like, I think most of the time it's pride filled opinions coming up against something that they don't understand, whether it's from the charismatic to reformed or reformed to charismatic or whatever angle it's taking. I think it's the pride. It's the, it's a pride in which we approach people. Um, where at the same time, it's okay to disagree. I mean, we see it, we see yeah. it in the new Testament church. We see it with Paul and Peter. We see it with what over Mark as well, the dispute over Mark and his worthiness to, you know, <laughs> to keep traveling. And like those, those things are, are important to recognize. Yeah. There there's, there's this verse, I'm going to throw it out there. Um, it's, I think it's like somewhere in first Corinthians where Paul says, um, there must be conflicts among you so that those who are approved may become manifested. Now, I don't have the verse off the top of my head, so you guys will just have to go look it up. And I've never quite understood that, but I kind of feel like I'm beginning to, like, yeah, there needs to be that conflict because, um, you know, growth comes out of those out of those things. And, and so, yeah, um, yeah I, that, that again is what I was saying. Like, I... I don't think that the position should be that we should just never talk about our differences. Uh, but I also don't think the position should be that we should attack one another. There's got to be something in between there. And right now there's just kind of a void, you know, and, and mm-hmm. so that's kind of what I'm, I'm trying to, to fill is, is get to that point where let's have these conversations and, and, um, you know, yeah. and, and just believe like i said like believe the best about people because i do think like you were saying about todd white and a bunch of these people like if you just you approach them the right way you know you're going to be able to chances are pretty good you're going to be able to get most of those conflicts resolved i think yeah well in um not to keep using bethel but bill you know bill had they've been assemblies of god for 
I mean, he's, he's what, third generation or something over Bethel. They'd been Assemblies of God. They actually left Assemblies because there was, uh, in his words, experimentation and things like that, that they they felt like they were supposed to go after that wouldn't look good upon Assemblies if it failed or, you know, those sorts of things. And so they asked to leave. Um, and they got really attacked by Assemblies, but uh, they have never stopped... Uh, never stopped giving the same amount as being a part of assemblies. They've continued that in honor. And then he actually went uh, to Missouri, I believe it is, and met with them, met with their leadership. And since then has preached at assemblies events. And they, it's just amazing to see, like to see that beginning to happen in the body, yeah. uh, the willingness to, you know, and that's technically still kind of Pentecostal charismatic, but anybody who knows assemblies, there's some big differences there between that and, uh, somewhat what Bethel believes. Right. Um, so it's really, it's really beautiful, uh, to see that begin to play out. Yeah. And I, I think that when you go back and you look at like history of, of the church, like every time there was a, a move of God, there was resistance to that move within the church. Um, but then once that move became the norm and then there was a new one, then that new one would resist the new move. And so, um, you know, it's not like blame is on any particular group. Blame is on all of us. And I think it's that that fleshly uh, tendency uh, towards tribalism, you know, like mm-hmm. this is the way we've always done it and we're going to stick to it. And if you're doing that, then it must mean that you're of the devil or it's some kind of deception. Um, at the end of the day, all that really matters is if it's if it's in the Bible, you know, I mean, if you can show up from the scriptures then you're good to go. It, it's, it doesn't have to be the norm. And I, I kind of feel like that's a place where I kind of veer from a lot of uh, Christian thinkers is, is I don't feel like there has to be historical precedence for um, an idea. There has to be biblical precedence for it. So it's not my fault if guys like 200, 300 years ago read past that part in the Bible. You know, it doesn't mean I'm not allowed to actually point it out. And um, I kind of view that, and this is kind of going in a new direction with what we're talking about, but I kind of view that as like um, how the scientific uh, field, you know, evolves over time. They they take the old ideas and that that have now been proven untrue, and they lose them, and they test out, and they prove new ideas. But the mm-hmm. bottom line is, as long as there's an observation, as long as they can actually prove it's true, then you're good to go. You don't have to be loyal to... Uh, you know, whatever guys were thinking a hundred years ago. And, and sometimes I feel like Christians feel scared to go past, um, you know, maybe some church traditions and things like that. But yeah. And hey, that's their prerogative. But me personally, I've never, um, I definitely think you can get guidance, you know, and I think you can get um, a lot of wisdom from the past and from men of God. I, I love like Smith Wigglesworth and Kenneth Hagin, people like that. Um, but if I find something that's in the Bible that they didn't teach, I mean, if it's in the Bible, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with that. And I think maybe that sometimes is a reason that you see these, uh, the criticism of the new movements is because people are like, well, this is new, you know, well, it, it, it may be new to you, but it isn't new to God. If it's in the word of God, it's, it's been there for a while, you know, you just didn't see it before. So, yeah. Well, and, and these conversations, like you know, hashing this stuff out and, and being willing to, to say something. Um, and 
you don't know what you believe until somebody questions it. I, I've seen that over and over again. Like I, there's times I've posted stuff about healing and then somebody questions it. And I'm like, wait, what do I really believe? I, I know I believe this, but how is this biblically sound? Can I actually right. explain this to him biblically why I believe this? And then it helps me. And it's like the whole ironing, iron sharpening iron. It's like we say that in small groups and stuff. And it's like, you know, it sounds great. But that's a kind of violent imagery of metal scraping against metal. That's not a... True. You know, that's not a, a, a uh, it's not great imagery for peace and unity, um, but yeah. that's how we're formed. Um, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and speaking to what you said about, um, you know, is this new or do, were they talking about, you know, I, I've been, uh, I've actually taken one of the Theos U, I've, I've done a lot. We're about to have Robert's, Robert's Learden on or, sh- or should be having him on soon. And he's a great historian. Um and then as well as I'm doing the Theosu, I've been going through their uh, early church history course and stuff. And uh, I've done a lot of reading over the years, had a class in college on it. And um, one of the things I'm really amazed by is like, because I actually had a, a kind of um, a crisis of faith uh, that lasted about a week <laughs> years ago. Uh, but I was just like, man, like, is all this stuff new? Are these reformed guys right? Am I in some heresy, you know, with all of the, the, su- the supernatural? Because I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I grew up uh, under people like Lester Summerall and Oral Roberts and T.L. Osborne, R.W. Shambach. These, these guys were the guys that were coming into my church when I was a little, little kid. Norval Hayes. Um, those guys really formed me. And I'm like, am I believing heresy? But you know, the more you dig into this, there really aren't many new ideas somewhere along the line. Somebody was, was beginning to recognize this and teach it. The problem is the church just drops things. Like we, we get caught up in a new or focused on a new thing. Maybe even rightfully so. Maybe it's something God's like really highlighting for a period of time, which gets into all kinds of theological terms that we don't need to discuss necessarily. But, um, Maybe he's highlighting something, but a lot of times we just kind of like drop all the other doctrine and it just doesn't get taught for hundreds of years. And uh, one example of this, this is, you might find this kind of interesting. So there was this cult that formed and before this cult was formed, it actually was the guy who was leading it. So he was like, he was this prophetic guy and he, it was him and two uh, female prophetesses or whatever you call them. Um, and they formed this like very supernatural focused, uh, group and very disciplined, very focused on the return of Christ. They even had something where they would, they would only eat raw food. I, I don't know. It gets into some weird stuff, but at the time he was really affirmed by a lot of the early church fathers. And they, one of them specifically was amazed by him. And, uh, but then eventually more and more, they started to reject traditional, the traditional leadership of the church felt like men were getting too much power over uh, what belonged to God. And, uh, and eventually more and more started to get to the place. Then they're like, well, prophecy, uh, prophecy is the same as the word of God. It has the same power, the same validity, the same authority. It just, it became a pretty dangerous thing. And then the church had to speak against them. But this is what's fascinating is it actually, so at that time, this is only about a hundred years after the apostles. And at that time, it caused the, the traditional church at the time to be like, where's prophecy? Why, why have we dropped this? And at that point, they began to examine why, why isn't prophecy happening in our, in our meetings anymore? And that started to rebirth prophecy by having somebody go too far. 
Hmm. And so I think a lot of times it's easy to attack the person that goes, you know, the people that go too far, but instead of it should become something where we begin to question like, you know, what in the, is anything in this valid? Like, are we actually right. missing something? And then that made them begin to address like, is prophecy the same as scripture? Well, no, we know because man is fallible. And then they had to work through that and look at in scripture. Does it speak to the, are there any letters? Did the apostles write about this? And it brought balance to the church. And I think that's what should be happening today is as we see stuff, it should bring balance. And I think that's the intention. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that that, I think that is happening, you know, um, slowly, but surely like, yeah, the, the extremes of falling into one ditch or the other ditch um, is provoking that conversation and uh, renewing these um, these ideas that yeah might, may have fallen by the wayside and I do think that you know I have a video on um, the genetic fallacy and genetic fallacy is what's considered a logical fallacy and basically what it means is you decide that something's true or false based not on whether or not it's actually true or false, but based on the source. So if Hitler says uh, Jesus rose from the dead, well, then Jesus obviously didn't rise from the dead because Hitler said that, you know. So it's obviously a fallacy. Like people who are flawed, people who are good and bad, everybody can tell the truth. Um, and, And that, so I did a video on that, and I kind of explore that idea that just because you don't like the source, just because you disagree with a lot that you see in the source, doesn't mean that they that there isn't uh, valuable truths that you could learn from mm-hmm. that person, and that's why, like, um, when people often ask me, like, "Well, who do you consider false teacher, or who would you call a heretic?" In my mind, like, I don't even think that way because I don't really see any benefit to thinking that way. The benefit to me is to be able to take whatever they say and evaluate it um, on its own merit. But if I decide that it's a fault, that they're a false teacher, and I have that concept in my mind, like this is person's 100% false teacher, and I'm not saying I don't believe that there are false teachers. I'm just saying I don't think that way. Uh, it's not something I spend a lot of time, um, you know, revolving in my mind. And the reason I don't is because it can create this bias to where when they do say something true, you end up rejecting it anyway. And that's what I find with a lot of the people who are critics of charismatics is like, yeah, I can get on board with you. Like these, some of these guys are saying some crazy stuff, but it's that old saying, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's like, there's some good stuff in there, you know? And the only way we're going to get to that is we got to sort through it and quit thinking so much about the names and the labels and where this came from. You know, this was originally a Gnostic idea. It's like, I don't know. Let's just see if it's in the Bible or not. You know, like who cares? Like what people say was Gnosticism or heresy or whatever. Like, can I read it for myself in the Bible? Like that's the bottom line for me. And Mm so, um, I think that's a lesson we got to learn. We're not very good at it right now, and, and I'm hoping that we get better at it, and I include myself in that as well. So, Yeah. yeah. This, is, this is an example of, of doing that well. Um, and you got the part in my, uh, I, think, I think it's Origen, one of the early church fathers' name is Origen, um, that both, he's both attributed, he's the only person in history that is both attributed to... Um, uh, being a source of part of one of the creeds of the church and being labeled a heretic at the same time. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and he, so he both, he's, he's the one who, and somebody will have to check this. I believe it's origin, but he both, uh, 
came up with the language for the Trinity, which doesn't exist in the Bible, but he came up with that language that was then used for a creed. Um, and then also came up with the idea of uh, universalism and like the beginning stages of universalism and started to teach that and hell isn't eternal and all those sorts of things. And uh, hell isn't eternal. God's too good. You know, it's, it's temporary, those sorts of things. And then was labeled a heretic, but they still, the church was still able to accept, recognize that that's wrong. We don't agree with that, but this, the, you, you understand the Trinity uh, better than, than most. Right. And uh, that's incredible. Yeah, there, there's this new word that I, <laughs> I'm i really loving lately. It's called nuance. You know, there's nuance <laughs> in so much of this. And um, if, you, if you paint everything with a broad stroke, you end up committing so many errors and you end up missing out on so many things. And I think that's a great example and maybe one that people would be even more familiar with because I, I wasn't familiar with that one, but would be like a guy like Martin Luther. I mean, the guy thought that, you know, the book of James shouldn't be in the Bible. And he, I, I think if I remember correctly, he wrote some book about how evil the Jews were. Um, but the church was mature enough over time to be like, okay, here's a lot of good that he, he uh, contributed. And here's the bad. Um, yeah. And we're going to emphasize the good. And nowadays, like when you hear about Martin Luther, you don't really hear anything about the bad. You know, it's just the good. And to me... I think that's a pretty good example of, of how it should be. It's like, we know, because at the end of the day, we all know that we're sinful beings. We're flawed individuals. We have uh, erroneous ideas about God. You know, nobody's got that perfect theology. I mean, except me and, you know, whoever agrees with me. But, uh, and so knowing that we have these flaws, it's like, okay, so there's always going to be something that we can criticize um, but what what should the focus be? You know, and, yeah. and I think the the focus should be absorbing the good, like Paul says. You know, um, abstain from every form of evil, um, and embrace the good. You know, First Thessalonians five talks about that, and so that's kind of, and that's kind of the idea behind the genetic fallacy. Like I was saying, is like, don't get caught up in the source. Just look at the material and see if it's true or not. You know. Yeah. Yeah, another example of that you just made me think of is uh, George Whitfield. So George Whitfield in the the first Great Awakening, he was anti-abolishing slavery. Most people don't know that. Interesting. And, yeah, uh, I didn't know that. And and it was it wasn't because he believed in slavery. It was because he he believed that if slavery was abolished, it would destroy the economy of the U.S. and it would cripple a young nation. And he believed in what God was doing in the nation. Hmm. That's a stance that I I would hope uh, any of us would be adamantly against him in that at that time but you can't you can't take away from the fact that god was using him or you know or his message of the gospel or you know any yeah. anything else that he was doing and i i think i think if there's anything that we can we could really learn as a church right now it, it is to to eliminate any place that the genetic fallacy lives in us um because i i find that with myself i i remember even being a young and I, I get it. Sometimes when you're a young believer, you kind of pull from teachers and preachers and things like that, that you're like, I just need somebody I can trust. Um, but as I matured, I found myself still going to like, you know, so I would have a question about my theology and instead of going to the Bible, I'd go to, well, I'll go see what this person says about it. Yeah. And uh, instead of going to the Bible first, trying to figure some stuff out, maybe bringing in some sources like that, but then coming to a conclusion of my own, which I think is really important. Yeah. 
it's it's similar too uh, as well um uh, there's that story where king david you know he's with he's with some of his mighty men and a crazy man comes out and is cursing him and all this stuff and uh i'm trying to think of exactly where the story is but um and basically one of his mighty men goes to cut the guy's head off and he says stop this might be god and uh i think interesting I think it, i'll have to yeah, check that out That's yeah it's a it's a it's a great story because that I think I'm pretty sure Billy Graham is the one who taught this, but to take even the to to hear your accusers what hear what they're saying, not the spirit thereof, yeah, and uh, and see if maybe God's speaking to you. Wow. And and I I think I think if we could figure that out and stop worrying so much about everyone else, but they take the things like, hey, is there something for me to learn in this? Like that's part of the reason even why I watch some of the reformed guys and things like that is like. There's things that Paul Washer said that have really shaped my life that have yeah. been really good, you know. Um, and it's even even my accusers, you know, to, to be able to take that and like, hey, God, are you speaking to me? Yes, it might be coming from a vile spirit. It might be attack. I can separate all that. But God, are you speaking in this? Right. And I, that's such wisdom. Yeah, the uh, I actually for the objective believer um, for a while, I debated making the logo uh, the head of a donkey. Uh, in reference to that story of Balaam and the donkey yeah. and that, that whole idea there, you know, like you were just saying, it's like truth can come from anywhere, you know. Um, and even in that video I did about the genetic fallacy, I even point out that Satan quoted the Bible. Uh, does that mean that that part of the Bible isn't true anymore because Satan said it? You know, it's like, no, it's, <laughs> it's still true, you know. And and um, so, yeah, I definitely think there's a lot to learn there. And um but let me ask you a question, like because we're talking so much about learning from any source. Uh, where does the uh, where do we come down on the admonitions against false teachers and false prophets? I'm just curious, you know, because I'm still working through that myself. Like, where do we actually address them? Yeah, like, uh, like, like, how would you? Where does that fit in the conversation we're having here where it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to listen to that guy because even though he could say something true, you know, he says mostly not true stuff or whatever you know, the case may be. Yeah, I think I think for me, um, I look at the the fruit of. I think there's one person in the history of my I've been in, in ministry for 10, 10 plus years, 11 years. I think there's one person I've ever warned people against, um, okay. and I, I won't name them here because they're irrelevant now. But at the time, they were extremely relevant, and uh, I was watching every person who got into their their teachings, the, their lives fall apart uh, over and over again. And so I think I think that that's I think that's the piece of it is like what is the spirit thereof, um, which is and that's hard, right? Because like a lot of the reformed guys would think that everything charismatic is demonic, right. um, but I, I think from I think we have to look at it that way. I'm really, uh, I think biblically what we see, I actually had this debate with somebody. I think biblically what we see is it's, that is a place of fivefold leadership more than anything to make that, that kind of like, Hey, we are publicly saying this person is being set aside from the church. They're being removed from the church. Don't listen to them. Um, I think outside of that, it's conversations like this. Uh, that individuals have. Hey, what what do you think about this this teaching? Talk through the teaching. It's less about the person. 
So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of verbally processing, but my thing is I don't ever want, want to publicly or even individually attack someone without hundred percent knowing what I'm attacking is demonic. Yeah. Uh, what's happening is wrong and it's going to lead people astray and actually put them in a dangerous place. I'm not, I'm not concerned as a leader. I'm not concerned about people working out their theology. Like healing is a big part of my life. I believe in healing. I've seen healing. I've been healed. I am not concerned if somebody's working through whether or not they believe it's God's will to heal all the time or some of the time, you know, I'm not, I'm not concerned about that. They can have, they can go listen to stuff. We can have those conversations. I'm not going to warn them against somebody who preaches that healing isn't for today. Um, somebody who is leading them into some kind of universalist thing, or you can just send as much as you want or, you know, whatever, some kind of dysfunction like that. I, that's where I would step in. Okay. So yeah. What's your thought? Yeah, I like I said, like I'm I, I feel like I'm kind of still working through it. I I don't think um let's I think that one of the differences between like uh charismatics and like reformed and not all reformed, I don't wanna just put those labels, but one big difference I've seen between camps with let's just say that in the body of Christ is some are are more cautious about causing division than they are about um, calling out false teachers and others are more cautious about false teachers than they are about division. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like, I guess I fall into the, I'm more cautious about causing division because I know that, um, I, like I was saying, I have biases within myself. And so what if my bias is causing me to be critical of this person? And then I go and I talk bad about this person and then I cause division, which I know is a sin, you know, to work of the flesh. Um, so I feel like I'm, I'm very cautious when it comes to that. And maybe that caution has, you know, like you were just talking about verbally processing. I kind of feel like I'm working through this as we talk, you know, like maybe that caution has caused me to kind of distance myself from that whole discussion. But I know it's an important one, you know, and mm-hmm. and it's just one of those things where it's like you as you grow, you know, God deals with you in different areas um, for me. Uh, like I, I still wonder what is the benefit of calling somebody out. Now I'm not saying it's wrong to do it, but sometimes I wonder what is the benefit because, um, I know people shouldn't trust me. You know, do I want do I want other Christians to trust me? It's like, well, no. Like the Bible says in First Thessalonians, test all things. That's a command for all Christians. Yeah. So even if I tell you that somebody's a false teacher, um well, you still have to go test it. So it's like, what, is there any benefit in me telling people what I think about things? Maybe I should just tell them to go check it out themselves, you know, but then people are like, well, but then they might be deceived by checking it out, you know? And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think at the end of the day, the Holy ghost is probably a key factor in this whole discussion. Yeah. Like, um, I'm going to trust the spirit of God to lead me uh, into this topic and, and teach me what I need to know about it. Um, and use, just use that discernment because at the end of the day, we're not on our own. You know, sometimes we think we are like, Oh, we just got this book. How do we figure out what the heck this book's talking about? It's like, no, you got the Holy ghost, the guy who wrote it. Uh, he's there to, to help us through these things. And so, yeah, I would say that's something that I need to lean more on the Holy ghost, um, to, to decipher in my own life, I think. Yeah. And when I think, I think too, one of the, just thinking through biblically, like one of the key factors would be, uh, somebody who's not repented. 
that they're in sin and they're unrepentant. Um, you know, cause at that point, if they've, if you said this in one of the podcasts, I listened to, uh, an interview with you, but you, you said if, if you're basically, if your idea of a false teacher is somebody who says something false, then ultimately we're all false teachers. Cause we all said something wrong before, yeah. um, or taught something wrong. And that's, that, that's such a clear way of saying it. Because uh, the same thing with with false prophets, everyone wants to say it's like, well, the second they they give a false uh, prophecy that doesn't come true, does that make them a false prophet? And the answer is no. Like that's not actually what that means. It's like, are they are they leading people to a different Jesus? Are they are they leading people into a different gospel than the one that w- that's been preached by the apostles? And uh, I there was I won't use names, but there was there was a pretty well known guy who I actually was the reason he came to the church I was at. Um, I was on staff there, but I really fought for him to come and it was amazing. And then a couple of years later, he, he was, he had come quite a few times and this time he came and I was like, something's off. And I went to my leadership and, and, you know, I was discerning something and I was like, I don't, I don't feel right. There's something really off there. There's some sexual stuff. And uh, I was like, you know, I love this guy. I love him a lot. He's impacted me greatly. I still honor him to this day. Um, even with all, all the stuff, but um, and they, it wasn't listened to and that's, that's up to them. Uh, and I, I honor their decision to do that, but it later came out and this guy's like got a long track record of stuff that's happened and it's all been proven and verified. And, um, and it's still unrepentant. And so in that case I can see, and, uh, the church recognizing that and be like, yeah, he's actually got a great message. And it's not even that what he's saying is wrong. It's that the package is actually um, uh, polluted, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Right. And and so that, I think sometimes it's even the spirit something is coming from. Um, and so if people really can't separate, there's still some of his messages and stuff that like to this day are in- incredible. But if a lot of people are not discerning enough to be able to separate the message from the spirit of, uh, that it's coming from. I think that that could be dangerous. So th- those might be times to to then say, okay, he's not repentant. He's still in this place. He's still in sin. Doesn't recognize it. Won't won't submit to anybody on this. That would be a time to okay, we're gonna set him as you know, like Paul, uh, basically pulling back from them, turning them over to Satan for the destroying of their flesh, so that their soul might be saved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, like you said, you know that uh, it's kind of up to I think it I think it could be different for every situation and um, the the leadership of the church that's like something that you you know I guess you trust God that he's given them that wisdom to to figure that out and um, I mean it's a big topic though because then it's like what everybody in every other church you know will call everybody else in another church you know heretics and stuff like that and they're not repenting because they're teaching they're still teaching that false theology you know and so yeah man it's it's kind of a mess when you when you get down to it but uh i mean thank god that you know um i recently finished reading francis chan's book um until unity and in Mm -hmm. that book he talks about because about i'm gonna say 10 years ago i was i was thinking okay unity can be achieved like i think i have like the right format for bible interpretation 
so that we could all be unified. You know, like I, I was thinking, I, I, you know, maybe this is it. And uh, man, that was such such a delusion on my part because like everybody thinks they got that, you know. Uh, but then I read uh, Francis Chan's book, and he brought up something that didn't even occur to me before. You know, he talks about how Jesus was praying that we we would all be one. Um, and he, in the book, he's just like, God's going to have to do this. I mean, this is going to have to be a miracle um, for us to. It's not anything we're going to be able to do on our own. It's not like there's some secret theology out there that we can all hop on board and suddenly all our disagreements are going to disappear. Uh, this is going to be a divine miracle from God that he's going to bring us all together somehow, some way, someday, you know. And um, so that yeah. that kind of opened my eyes like, yeah, this is definitely got to be a God thing because it's yeah. we've had 2000 years trying to figure it out and it just keeps splitting. You know, we just keep branching mm-hmm. out more and more. So, yeah. Would, would you agree that most of most of the issues are are uh they come down to the fact that the body has different assignments and focuses and we typically look at the other assignments and say you're not like me so you're wrong yeah man absolutely i'm glad you brought that up for sure yeah did you want me to talk about it a little bit or you want to go ahead go ahead oh yeah i i'm just that that came to mind because i'm just thinking about the unity piece like i think until our hearts are open to that fact um something i've i've talked about in this podcast over and over again because it's like it just it it's ultimately i'm gonna write a book on it like it's um on this this grace there's graces on people that empower different things and like you take the uh, first corinthians 12 in the body and like uh i always i always use the uh the kidneys like the kidneys filter the blood before it goes to the heart so it gets anything that's not supposed to go to the heart and so if the kidneys are like well i want to be a lung it kills the it kills the whole body the yeah. stuff we get to the heart that aren't supposed to be there and and we like all the parts are so diverse mm-hmm. and different and i yeah so what's your what's your thoughts on that yeah absolutely um you you brought up something that has been going through my mind a lot lately and that was something before we started the 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 interview you asked me if there was anything i didn't want to talk about and i was saying how my uh, my my knowledge on topics is very limited and how I do that on purpose because of something like that. Um, sometimes I think when you look back in history and, and Kenneth Hagin kind of brings this out a lot in a lot of his teachings that a lot of the ministers during the, um, there was a healing re- revival in the 40s and 50s and a lot of those healing ministers began teaching even though they weren't called to be Bible teachers. And then they started teaching yeah. false theology. And, and, and Branham false... is a great example. Yeah, yeah, William Branham and some of the um, stuff that he was saying it just kind of went off board, uh, you know, went off the deep end. But um, before that, though, it was like you could clearly see that there was this gift there and there was this capacity that God was using that person. And, and uh, like I was saying, when I, I listen to a lot of Kenneth Hagin, he's probably the biggest, my biggest uh, influence. And he breaks that down, and he talks about how like some people are called to be prophets, some are called to be, um, you know, teachers and pastors. But sometimes, you know, you see somebody else doing this, and wow, that seems like it'd be like a great thing to do, and I kind of feel good about it. So maybe that's what God wants me to do. And so you get outside of your calling, and um, yeah, like the the analogy of the body. I I think about this a lot when I think about Joel Osteen. 
I don't know why, but Joel Osteen always comes to mind because the Bible talks about in Romans 12, um, if you've been called to exhortation, then you should exhort, you know, and people are like, well, why isn't he teaching, you know, uh, you know, about sin and repentance and why isn't he doing this and that? And it's like, well, maybe, uh, maybe you're an ear and he's a nose and you're saying, why is he always sniffing? He's just sniff, sniff, sniff. There's no, <laughs> they, he doesn't ever do anything except sniff. He doesn't hear anything. Mm. It's like, well, yeah, but if you stand back and you take these teachers, uh, if you look at it from the perspective as an entire body, um, then no, nobody should be just sniffing everything. But but the the body itself, it's like this it has all these working parts that we should be receiving from in different ways. So no, don't mm. just listen to Joel Osteen all the time. You know, if you listen to him all the time, yeah, I'll grant you, you're probably going to get yourself into trouble. Um, but that goes for pretty much any teacher. And so, yeah, it's like, um, I do think that God calls us to certain ministries. And when we see other people not doing the ministry that we have a conviction for, um, it cause it, it may cause that bias. Like, well, why aren't they doing what I'm doing? It's like, well, because not everybody should be doing what you're doing because there's different types of ministries out there. And, yeah. and, uh, so yeah, I, I think that does contribute. So maybe rather than, so I think maybe what's happening is, um, the, the difference in ministries we perceive it, it causes um, bias in us. And then that bias drives us to be critical of them. And then us being critical of them drives us to start picking apart things they say and finding quote unquote false doctrine that isn't actually there. And then there, there you have that division. So who knows? I mean, right. hopefully in the future we will, um, we will stop being so critical of these other ministries. And when that, when we stop being critical, we'll realize we don't disagree with as much as we thought. It's just some guys talk about some things more than others. Yeah. Some women too. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it's so good. And, and I too, I think about the other, the other piece of that, that body analogy is, um, it's not just that we're different. It's that they actually all supply each other and they all work together. Right. And I think that that's the piece that the, without Holy Spirit, we can't really do that piece because, um, you know, the Bible says, if you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive the prophet's reward, honor a righteous man because he's righteous, you receive the righteous man's reward, whatever we honor, we can receive from. And I think it's the same in the body is that as we begin to honor, so what, what we receive, we can receive from each other when we honor what is on the grace that's on another part of the body. And it can't actually have a real impact on us until there's honor in our hearts. Huh. And, uh, and so that's, that's the piece that I'm like, this has got to be a book. I don't, I don't hear many people talking about, um, about this, but I, I'm like, I think of that, that's the piece that the Holy Spirit's could begin to do to help us recognize, wow, this camp over here, they have this, I don't agree with this other stuff, but they have this. And if I can honor and recognize they're reaching a different group of people than I ever could. And, and it's just like laying down our, our the, the competitive thing uh, that, that rests on the body. I, I think that's where we're headed. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that that's probably what unity is going to look like is, is beginning to honor that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> an example of that. So uh, if I'm wrong, Benny Hinn, I'm so sorry. Benny Hinn gets attacked all the time. But, uh, so 
his book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. I, I heard the story, and so this is wrong. I know I know part of the story is true because he just told it, and I know the other part. I'm not sure if it's true. I heard that when he first released Good Morning, Holy Spirit, it was heretical. Um, that he basically took his experience and and the first like the first wave of the book first rendition or whatever was uh basically he was just trying to put language to his experience and it came off heretical and so then they uh a publisher or whatever was like hey we're gonna bring in a baptist uh bible scholar to work with you and like actually bring some scripture to this and uh and then this part of the story i know is true is he did work with a baptist for the for the theology because he actually didn't have the theology he had a uh crazy experiences with the holy spirit personal time with God, stuff that was happening that you can't necessarily, you, you can't sit in your room and electricity come in your room and a warm blanket wrap around, you know, like that feeling of warm blanket come around you and then be like, oh yeah, that says that in this scripture, it talks about feeling electricity and, right. you know, and, um, and so, and then he sat with this guy and this, this is the part that he told recently was basically that he sat and he said, Hey, can we, can we pray first? And this Baptist is like smoking a cigar and he's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and Benny invites the Holy spirit and this Baptist just starts weeping. Wow. And, uh, he immediately like got convicted about smoking a cigar and <laughs> got rid of it, which I don't know. Uh, but, uh, it's just funny. Cause like that to me, that's like that unity piece. It's like a Baptist being able to encounter the Holy spirit and a charismatic who didn't, if this is true, if the story is true, it's at least a good example. But a, a, a charismatic that didn't know the scripture mm. to 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 put words to what they were experiencing, coming together in unity of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, wow. To teach the body. Yeah, that'd be interesting. So you're not sure if that story is true or not, or that's interesting. I, so I I've heard that. I need to clarify it. I, okay. I might have to text. Uh, text some friends down there and, and find out if I can get a hold of him and find out if that's true. I, I think, but I, I mean, I think that that's, yeah, a great idea. I mean, one way, again, just kind of fleshing this out as I'm talking about it, um, that I've kind of thought about when we're ta- just talking about the body of Christ is sometimes I think about that some believers are more part of the heart of the body. And when I say the heart, mm-hmm. I don't mean the like the, the muscle pumping blood, but I mean like the the intimacy and maybe quote unquote the feelings you know and then there's others that are more part of the brain and Mm -hmm. they do we do need each other but i do find yeah like some believers it's like they they have these experiences but they don't they don't really know the word and yeah there needs to be that combination it's just so unfortunate that we just end up a lot of times, you know, segregating like, okay, it's just all, all the feels on this side and all the thinking on that side. Um, I think science, and I brought this up before, I think science is a, uh, the scientific field is a good example of that as well. You know, um, you have biologists, um, then you have like physicists and you have meteorologists and these people are all working towards the same goal, but they're going about it in very, very different ways. And you wouldn't ask a biologist about the weather, you know, and you wouldn't ask a mm-hmm. meteorologist about, you know, the human body. Um, but so it's it's all headed t- towards the same goal of helping mankind develop and learn and prove things. But it's very, very different areas of study. 
And like you were saying, I feel like we need to get to the point of honoring that and recognizing it. And I mean, I don't have a problem saying like guys like John MacArthur do a better job of 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 uh, a clear presentation of the gospel than say, you know, Joel Osteen. I don't have a problem saying that. Like, um, yeah. you just got to recognize it, you know, and, and rather than, and maybe, and we grow, you know, and I'm sure you can relate to this too. Like, teachers that you listened to like 10, 15 years ago aren't really the guys you're listening to now. It's like God moves you um, to a place. And then at sometimes you'll look back and you'll be like, I, I, I used to really be critical of this guy. I'll give you an example. Recently, um, I started listening to uh, Bill Johnson and I never listened to Bill Johnson before. And I'll be honest, I mostly did it because I heard so much criticism about him. Um, but then I started listening to him and I was like, man, a lot of this stuff is really good and it's really profound. He's not the typical charismatic, like just grab a isolated scripture and just run with it type of guy. Um, so I think we grow into these ministries so that we we're, we're moved from one part of the body to the other as far as receiving from them. And, um, mm. so, and that's why, like I said about me, it's like, I don't know, maybe God will have me doing this, uh, for the rest of my life. I'm fine with that. I'm not going to move unless I feel, unless I'm really sure he wants me to, cause I don't want to get into an area that, uh, you know, I know there's a lot more popular areas. I could be making, uh, I could be making way more followers if I did those videos, like, you know, I destroyed, you know, John MacArthur and <laughs> clickbait. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I could do that, but um, I don't think that, I don't think that's a good idea, you know. So I'm going to stick with what God's calling me to do now, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. So i I want to uh, I want to ask you this question, um, and then I'm gonna ask you this question, and then we're gonna go into uh, we're gonna end this episode. And then we'll pick up the answer to the question in the next episode. Um, speaking specifically to charismatic and Pentecostalism, is there anything uh, it, that you feel like the charismatic church or Pentecostal church is really missing? That if you if you could just snap your fingers and it was part of the church, uh, what would that thing be? Does that that question make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll pick up on that in the next episode. Okay. Uh, so guys, thank you so much for listening to this half of the conversation beyond the lookout for the next half of my conversation with SJ Newell. Uh, SJ, this has been incredible. So thank you so much for, for being on. Um, Thanks, and guys, if, if this, uh, if this has impacted you, share this with your friends, uh, share with everyone, you know, go follow the objective believer on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, um, and, uh, yeah, really dig into the word and, and, and take the advice that's being given here. Don't just because somebody you, you trust says it, don't just take it as, as Bible truth, actually go into the Bible yourself with Holy spirit and investigate. Uh, that's the call of the believer. So, uh, and also if this, if this has impacted you and you want to support what's going on, you can go to firemovement.com slash support. Uh, and there you can give one time or monthly gift. But until next time, this has been the Fire Podcast.